We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey everyone, welcome to the NFL DFS podcast on RotoWire. We are sponsored by FanDuel. It is week 17. We have finally reached the final week of the season. Always a difficult week for uh, for fantasy football with uh, with teams sitting on that kind of thing. I am Scott Jemsta, joined by Vlad Sedler. We will work you through all the uh, all the playoff scenarios, situations with the guys sitting, and uh, hopefully uh, we can have a final good DFS uh, weekend. If you could please rate or review the podcast, we'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, when you listen to us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever else may be, if you could take two seconds to rate or review the podcast, it actually really means a lot to the podcast. If you happen to enjoy us all year, we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, also, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I am at Scott Jenstead. Jenstead is J-E-N-S-T-A-D. Vlad is at Rotogut, R-O-T-O-G-U-T. Vladdy, it's, uh, it's week 17. We made it. How are you? Yeah, baby. Uh, I am good. I, I, I just can't believe that this is the end of the season. Uh, I just have this empty feeling inside with all these uh, th- these playoff games, uh, season long playoffs ending. So uh, but what I really am impressed with is, man, Todd Gurley. Uh, I mean, after what he's done over week 15 and 16, I mean, we're talking about a guy who potentially is I mean, not even potentially he's in the conversation for uh, being the number one overall pick in fantasy leagues over Leva Bell next year. Yeah, he had the uh, the best week 15 and 16 combination in NFL history in terms of fantasy points. Uh he beat uh he beat everybody that's uh, that's played. There were a couple of big weeks there, but uh he's the best and he sure timed at the right time week 15 and 16 are most people's season-long playoffs. He was also huge for DFS last weekend. Uh, 9,100, he was really priced high on FanDuel, but uh, certainly came through. Six touchdowns over the last two weeks, a ton of yards. 
Uh, he was he was clearly the uh, clearly the fantasy MVP when you consider his season plus what he did in the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, I mean, and I know this is a DFS show, but uh, all this makes me think is all this great value at the top of you know all these running backs plus Antonio Brown that are going to be going early first round. It uh, kind of lets somebody like David Johnson possibly slip through the cracks. I mean, a guy with number one overall value who might fall to like a fifth or sixth pick. All it makes me wonder is just how bad Jeff Fisher is at coaching offense. <laughs> Fair enough. Case Keenum, Jared Goff, and Todd Gurley all sucked last year, and now all are uh, you know all are playing on playoff teams. Gurley's probably the uh, the fantasy MVP. Keenum is uh, Keenum and Goff are going to have uh, you know win divisions. Uh, pretty amazing the talent they had there and how little they did with it. Yeah, and Fisher th- it thinks he's going to actually get a job in the NFL, so uh, we'll see about that. Yeah, let's move on to Week 17. It's a gigantic slate, a very different slate this week because we have all 16 games on Sunday and all in play on the main FanDuel slate. There's no Thursday games. There's no Monday games. There's no Sunday night games. All for playoff fairness. You want uh, you want teams to be, that are playing at the same time. Uh, you know that need someone else to win, or they need to win. They uh, you want everybody to play at the same time, so there's not anything where you know someone loses early in the day and everybody sits their starters late in the day. So they avoid that. We have seven games at 10 a.m. Pacific. We have nine games at one o'clock Pacific. Um, very little worry for me this week about ownership percentage with 16 games. So much variance, a ton of cheap plays that uh, you know could be boom or bust with guys sitting. Um, I'm not going to worry about ownership this week. I'm just going to try and find my favorite team. Exactly, and I think what it does is it allows us to sort of comb through these games and figure out the ones that we do expect to be close and to be competitive. And you know, some of these obviously with playoff implications. Um, at the same time, we're also seeing a lot of games that we can essentially cross out. Just you know situations where uh, on a 16 game slate it's just not worth going down that road uh, because there are just so many options this week yeah and it's not just you know teams that uh, teams that don't need to win or teams that need to win you've got to think about even with teams need to win you take someone like new england they need to win but if they get up 21 points in the third quarter you know suddenly they're going to sit everybody there's no uh, there's no point risking guys at that point so there's there's you know there's sitting guys and there's also sitting guys later in the game that you have to impact kind of an NBA kind of thing you know when you uh, when you worry about someone like the Warriors blowing someone out whether Steph's going to play in the fourth quarter we kind of get that situation uh, this week in the NFL for the first time all year. Yeah, and so it, it's important that if uh, particularly if if you've spent a, a great portion of the season building a bankroll and having a successful DFS season. You want to be careful and not go too overboard on a week 17 slate unless you really feel comfortable about it. And especially if you are you know, glued to your computer on Sunday morning, uh, paying attention to potential situations where people might be sitting. Yeah, this is a big news week. I actually like this week. I, I made a bunch of money last year on this week. It was my one of my, it was my second best week of the whole season last year. Uh, but you have to pay attention to the news. There's a lot of coaches that are going to be saying some stuff. You got to really pay attention to what the coaches are saying in terms of whether they're sitting their players and what they've done in the past. You know, Andy Reid is someone that sat players in the past, so um, you know he's going to have Pat Mahomes starting at quarterback. So that's uh, that's one that we can cross out a lot of guys in Kansas City, but. Let's jump into it. Uh, we got a lot of games to cover. We'll try and hit them pretty fast. Uh, you know, nobody wants to listen for two hours to us talking, so we'll try and get through them pretty quick. Uh, first game, 10 a.m. in the morning, a uh, game with no playoff implications. We have Green Bay at Detroit. Detroit favored by 7.5. And, and, and while I say no playoff implications, that doesn't mean guys aren't going to put up points. We have an over-under of 43. Guys are going to score in this game. Just a matter of us figuring out, um, you know, who's going to play, what they need to play for, and, and who's going to score. What do you do with the Green Bay side? I mean, not a lot to be excited overall on the Packers side and probably even less so without uh, Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson, who both uh, likely will be missing this game. 
I mean, you've got somebody like Brett Hundley, who was uh, just an absolute mess last week, completed just 17 of 40 passes, throwing for under 150 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. So, you know, who's he going to get the ball to and, and, and how effectively? I mean, you've got probably Cobb, Randall, who's going to be the lead receiver there. Uh, the guy that I'm kind of uh, I'm looking for in uh, in some GPP consideration, and, and it may sound crazy, but it's 22-year-old rookie uh, Michael Clark, who didn't look too bad in his NFL debut last week against the Vikings, you know, typically a stout pass defense. He actually led all Packer receivers with nine targets. Uh, he's not quite minimum salary at 5,100 and obviously a tough matchup against the Lions secondary. Just simply somebody worth mentioning. And we have our first completely off-the-radar sneaky play. That's a, that's a good start right there. I, I like it. Um, I like Jamal Williams, 6,700. Aaron Jones is very unlikely to play. Um, you know, last week, Green Bay was shut out by Minnesota, but Jamal Williams still had 58 yards rushing. The volume should be there. Detroit's allowed 15 rushing touchdowns this year, the second most in the NFL. Um, Gio Bernard killed him last week, 23 rushes, 116 yards. Um, I think Jamal Williams is my favorite play on the Green Bay side with a little bit of Randall Cobb at 5,500. If you think that they uh, they get behind their 7.5-point underdogs, they throw the ball, Cobb should get a lot of targets. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm going to be sort of – I don't know if I'm going to have a lot of Jamal Williams. Uh, maybe when I'm loading up in the uh, – the, seven dollars sunday million perhaps but uh you know for me it's just sort of the way that i'm projecting this game to flow uh, i do expect the packers to be chasing from behind i'm sure jamal williams will still get some carries in that respect uh but i don't know I'm, i don't really see a foresee a situation where the packers are working with a lead what about the lions they are they're out of the playoffs now uh matt stafford's been a little quiet lately kind of quiet uh mm-hmm. how poor he's been only five touchdowns the last four weeks their offensive line is pretty banged up um, the Packers secondary is good last week against the Vikings and Case Keenan, but before that, 13 touchdowns in the four week prior to that. You know, he's in a home game, no pressure. Um, I kind of wonder if Stafford might go off this week. Yeah, I, I like, I actually do like Stafford. Uh, he is one of my top five favorite quarterbacks of the day. Love the matchup against the Packers. Um, strangely enough, it's Eric Ebron, who's been the most reliable yeah. uh, sort of cash game viable receiver of this group. Uh, basically the MVP at his position over this, uh, you know, these last few fantasy playoff weeks, seeing 26 targets over the last three and has scored in each of his last two games. Meanwhile, you've got Tate, who's basically been an overall disappointment in the second half, just two touchdowns, um, hasn't topped 35 yards in the last two weeks. And uh, and those two touchdowns, I'm sorry, in the last nine games. Um, for me, Marvin Jones is probably more interesting in a GPP. Um, but to me, I think I am going, and I tweeted about this, I'm going to Mr. Kenny Galladay at just 5K. Yep. Uh, he saw eight tar- targets last week. Actually, has outsnapped Golden Tate in each of his last three weeks. And he hasn't scored since week one when he scored twice in that game. I think things come around full circle, and Kenny Galladay gets into the end zone twice on Sunday. Wow, you're feeling brave this week. I like it. we got Michael Clark and Kenny Galladay scoring twice. Yeah, well, well, let's get this straight. I'm going to play a lot of Kenny Galladay. Michael Clark is just a uh, GPP consideration, so to speak. Uh, I like it. Uh, what about, uh, you know, you mentioned Marvin Jones, 7,300. Hasn't scored in four weeks, but over 50 yards, six straight weeks. Super consistent, nice floor. He's a good cash game guy to me. Um, they uh, The Packers have allowed five receiving touchdowns of wide receivers the last three weeks. He should see a lot of Josh Hawkins, who has really struggled in coverage. Um, so I like Marvin Jones' week. I think a Stafford-Jones stat could work. Uh, you mentioned Ebron. Uh, Ebron might be the MVP of the uh, the, the Rotowire Stake League champion Oaktown squad. That, uh, that, uh, <laughs> That's right. He kind of he hooked me up at tight end. I've been struggling for a tight end. Added him a couple weeks ago. He, he was big for me in the playoffs. 
Yeah, congrats on your championship we uh, championship there. The uh, the Rotowire Stake League, uh, where all of us will get together and the losers, the bottom half of the league, have to buy the other stake. And uh, thankfully, I believe Chris Liss, um, the classic over-orderer and uh, one guy who really sticks, us to, sticks it to us, uh, may not be able to make the trip out of Portugal to us. So I think it's going to save the wallets of those of us who are going to have to be buyers this week. Yeah, he uh, he takes it to another level in that in, in that league. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, moving on to the uh, the next game, we have the Houston Texans headed to Indianapolis. Another game with uh, with no playoff implications at all. But you never know where the points are come from. Indy's a four point favorite in this game at home, over under a forty one. On the Houston side, DeAndre Hopkins is obviously the guy to talk about. He's ninety one hundred this week. Um, six targets last week only, but uh, still caught a touchdown. He had a sick late touchdown catch, a bobbling play in the corner of the end zone. Double-digit targets in all but four games this year. He still has 70 yards or a touchdown in every single game all year. An amazing streak for a wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, how bad are the Texans that they are four-point underdogs to the Colts? I mean, th- this team is just completely disheveled. They're, like, on their fourth quarterback, you know, maybe third here. But, uh, you know, I'm not too interested on the Texans' side for the most part. Um, Hopkins is always in the conversation, uh, but, you know, for cash games. But, I mean, 9,100, I mean, that is fully priced i mean the guy is gonna need to go off you know for cash games at least two and a half times the salary so you know you're talking about 24 points um matchup is gorgeous of course against this depleted secondary that ranks second to last in dvoa uh but you know just so much less excited with tj yates under center yeah i mean tj yates is so bad but uh, you gotta figure he's gonna throw it to hopkins a lot but 9100 tough to pay that uh, although there is a lot of value this week but tough to pay that with tj yates at quarterback on the indie side Frank Gore is, uh, is priced under 6,000. He has 60-plus yards in three out of four weeks, saw 19 touches last week. I just think he has so little upside. Only two games over 70 yards this, week and one of, or this year, and one of them was that 36-carry game in the snow. Um, but Houston's struggling. They've allowed a, a rushing touchdown in five straight games. I just don't know if there's enough upside with Frank Gore in a tournament for me to play him. Yeah, I mean, I typically, I, I think I've played Gore maybe once this year. Uh, unfortunately, it was not that uh, game where he <laughs> did rush for 36 times, and it took 36 attempts for him to top 100 rushing yards. That was the only game this year in which he's got over 100 rushing yards. And so, yes, the Texans have been hemorrhaging fantasy points to running backs over the last month, but uh, for me, I just can't go Gore. I'm actually more interested on the passing side. Uh uh, you know, picked up Jacoby Brissett in a league where I need, uh, where I'm actually playing in it w- with some relevance for Week 17 and season long. Um, you know, Brissett and Hilton, you know, they hooked one. Uh, Brissett hooked Hilton up um, in the game that they played earlier this year against the Texans. It was actually Hilton's best game of the year. Uh, 175 yards. He ended up with 32 Fanduel points. And uh, among these cheap quarterbacks, Brissett's actually my favorite. Um, 6600. Really love the matchup and. Uh, Brissett Hilton, I'm going to have one of those combinations in a, in a tournament for sure. Yeah, the Houston secondary just sucks. They've allowed the highest uh, yards per average passing, 8.2 this year. 29 passing touchdowns allowed, the second most in the NFL. Um, you know, Hilton's one of those guys, just boom or bust. He's either going to go off or he's going to do nothing. There's really no in-between. Really good last week, though. 12 targets against the Ravens defense, six catches for 100 yards. Um, I think Hilton under 7,000 is actually underpriced this week. I think he's going to be, uh, you know, popular, but, uh, you know, 16 games, so not that popular. He's someone that I'm definitely going to have, uh, especially in tournaments. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it for me on this game. 
Yeah, a little bit of Jack Doyle, maybe in a, maybe in a PPR site, but over on DraftKings, uh, 18 targets last two weeks, 12 catches, but only 88 yards. There's really not a, a lot of upside with Doyle. Uh, Houston's allowing the six most uh, points to uh, to tight ends and Fanduel, but I just don't. Uh, it's just not enough upside for me. I think in a PPR site, maybe uh, if you even get him super cheap. But uh, moving on to the next game, uh, we got some playoff implications. Finally, uh, we've got Chicago headed to Minnesota. Minnesota needs to win this game to uh, to lock up some seating. Um, for me, on the Bears side, uh, no one I'm interested in. Minnesota's 11 half point favorite, over under of only 39 and a half. So the Bears implied total is very very low. Uh, I'm passing on the Bears offense this week fully. Me 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 as well. Uh, nothing interesting whatsoever. Uh, 12 point road underdogs against one of the league's best defenses. Um, yeah, on a full slate, it just makes no sense to really consider anyone here. I mean, no thanks on Jordan Howard, Kendall Wright, and uh, definitely not Dontrell Inman, who uh, was our boy about a month ago, but now an, essentially invisible over the last couple of weeks. The, the key things about having a boy is uh, is knowing when to uh, when to get off and let them be, and when to when to jump back on. You, you've done that well with Inman. Uh, on the Minnesota side of the ball, Case Keenum really struggled last week. 139 yards and a touchdown. Finally, uh, finally looked like the old Case Keenum. He missed a lot of open guys last week. He had a lot of chances, a lot of stuff with Thielen and Diggs. I just kind of missed guys. Yeah, and you know, typically against this Bears defense, this Vic Fangio defense, I mean, there just usually isn't a lot of upside here. Uh, I could see somebody like Latavius Murray getting in the end zone and being the most valuable guy here. Um, and and it's interesting. I mean, these receivers, you know, Thielen has been a monster all year among the league leaders in receiving yards, but they're sort of reverse roles a bit lately, whereas uh, Thielen hasn't done as much, and Diggs has found the end zone in each of the last two games. Um, to me, they're both a bit too pricey for a full slate in this matchup. Um, I don't expect any of them to go full girly on anyone, and so um, especially the possibility of them resting in the second half. For, so for me, for the most part, I'm going to be fading both the Bears and the Vikings offenses. Vikings offense, you know, I think I might have Adam Thielen in a few tournaments. Just I think yeah, that he and Keenan might try and get back in sync with each other, uh, that, you know, going into the playoffs. But what about the Vikings defense? They are priced up at 5,400. The Bears allowed five sacks last week. The Vikings haven't done a lot lately. They've only had six sacks in three weeks. But, you know, home favorite, needing to win, big, uh, big favorite uh, at home. Any interest in the Vikes D? Yes, there is. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh is priced at the same amount there at 5,400. I think I'd lean to them a little bit more. Uh, Minnesota, I mean, obviously, they've they've only allowed seven uh, real points in, over the last two games uh, facing the Packers and, and the Bengals. Um, and so they've averaged 16 fantasy points over the last two weeks. And so obviously between those efforts and this matchup, that is why you've got them priced up at this point. Um, I personally will probably be um, a bit lower uh, than the field on them. So moving on to another game with a with a huge number, we have the Jets headed to uh, Foxborough to face the Patriots. New England's fair by 15 and a half. A game they need to win to lock up home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Uh, but, uh, you know, look, a bit of concern with a big favorite. If they get up, maybe they rest the stars in the second half or the fourth quarter. On the Jets side, uh, anybody interested? In, I think that, you know, maybe Robbie Anderson at 6,900 might be a consideration with this game script. Yeah, I mean, he's still seeing his fair share of targets with with Petty, uh, but it's clearly a step down from Josh McCown, whom he's had a great rapport with. Uh, I don't know about Anderson. Um, I would probably lean him over Bilal Powell if I really wanted to play a Jet. Uh, I'm just not sure I want to use a Jet at all in this game, um, even though Anderson's prices dropped down to 6,900. 
Yeah, he's the one guy that I'm going to consider. You know, is still with 19 targets and 10 catches the last two weeks. Just the you know the big underdog. I think they're going to throw the ball a ton in the second half. My only concern is if they get down, we might see some Christian Hackenberg action, and I don't want any part of that. <laughs> um, you know, so Petty likes Anderson. He throws to him a lot. I don't know what the heck we get from Hackenberg, but New England is allowing 30.2 Fanduel points to wide receivers here, third highest in the NFL. So I think there's going to be some room for some production on the Jet side in the second half. I just don't. Uh, I don't know if it'll be Anderson, but he's probably my best bet on that side. Yeah, and, and as far as Bilal Powell goes, obviously he ran wild last week, 145 yep. yards on 17 carries, always seems to break a big one every five games or so. But that was against a subpar Chargers run defense. Uh, probably only a GPP play this week with this massive 15.5 point total just doesn't look good for you know in terms of any uh, any semblance of a good running game. And interestingly enough, though the, the Patriots um, – pretty much ranked dead last in DVOA. Um, it's just another example of why we, we just can't simply take DVOA, um, you know, for what it's worth and sort of need to dig into the stats ourselves. Um, the Pats actually allow the second least amount of rushing TDs on the air, which is six. Wow, that is, uh, that is good. I guess they're giving up so many pass TDs, but uh, that's interesting. Uh, on the Patriots side, though, obviously uh, a ton of firepower. They could score a lot of points in the first half, but, you know, could sit guys late. What do you do with the Patriots stars? You know, Tom Brady's 8,500, so is Gronk. Um, you know, a great matchup for Brady. Again, the only concern is if he sits late, but only four passing touches last four weeks. He has an interception in five straight games for the first time in like 15 years or something crazy like that. Um, some some wild stat about his uh, his picks in five straight games. He's also under 300 yards five weeks in a row. So uh, a little bit tough to pay up for Brady right now, but obviously can't explode at any time. No, absolutely. Uh, so so by the way, I did use um, Mike Gillisley uh, on GPP team last week at of course, salary. Of course and, uh, he did. Yeah, and hey, listen, nice that he got into the end zone. Uh, I think he's dealing with a knee issue. Um, I don't really see him playing that much. And uh, yeah, I mean, for me, honestly, it's it's really all about Deion Lewis. Um, you know, his price has gone up after a monster week 16. And I mean, the guy's just unstoppable. It's just really a matter of, uh, you know, how much he is going to play. And uh, it is kind of interesting how, you know, the, the Belichick annual running back trolling continues, where if you think about it, back to preseason, all the discussion, all the you know, the talk among uh, fantasy experts was, you know, Gillisley at his ADP versus Burkhead at his, with Deion Lewis essentially the forgotten man. And look at him. I mean, he's going to be playing this week against a uh, a team that'll be without their best defender, uh, defensive end Muhammad Wilkerson. So uh, if Deion Lewis is getting his full complement of snaps, uh, I, I really like the guy this week. Yeah, and the, the thing that made Deion Lewis even better last week, even after we talked on the podcast last week, was James White was out. He partially practiced on Wednesday. Burkhead did not practice. I don't see him playing. White might play. But, you know, at that volume, Deion Lewis is just legit good when he gets the ball. Anybody who watches the Patriots, um, you just tell that, uh, you know, he he's very productive when he gets the ball. It's always been just a matter of volume. 24 carries last week, 129 yards and a touchdown, five catches and a touchdown. Uh, Got to like Deion Lewis at 7,200 if, uh, if White's out. Even if he's not out, I do like him a little bit, but I like him more with White in or with White out, I mean. Uh, what about Brandon Cooks? 7,400 this week on FanDuel. Super quiet the last four weeks. 60 yards or fewer, four weeks in a row, only one touchdown in that stretch. Two games in that stretch, under 20 yards. Obviously, he's a boomer bust guy. Brady just overthrew him last week on a deep ball. He was open. He also got a deep pass interference. It could have been a big play, too. So he's going to hit one one of these times. But uh, do you think it's this week? I don't know. I mean, you know, Cooks is one of my favorite receivers in general. It's just uh, it's just sort of a whole different story. You've got Gronk in the mix, and you got a, a situation where they may be sitting in the second half. Um, and his price is just not decreasing. Um, you know, he did catch six of nine targets for 96 yards against the Jets earlier this year, and he is always a threat to break a long one. 
Um, but I'm probably not going to go out of my way to play him this week, unfortunately. Gronkowski is beasting lately. 39 targets last four weeks, over 80 yards in three or four games. You know, the only concern on Gronk is game script. If they get up, you know, he's the, he's probably the most important guy besides Brady on that offense. Got to think they sit him if they get up. But if they get up, it's probably because he's produced. The Jets gave up, uh, you know, 81 yards and a touchdown to Antonio Gates, of all people, last week. Got to like mm-hmm. Gronk this week among the tight ends. Yes, I, I do. I do a lot. Uh, he did score twice. Um you know, against this team back in week six. Um, and and I'm, I'll be happy to build a couple of lineups around him um, and, and likely pairing him with Tom Brady, getting in some cheaper values at receiver here in, in this type of tournament. Yeah, I also don't have a problem with uh, with Gronk without Brady, too. I think you know, if you can build a team where you can fit in that big of a tight end, you got some cheap uh, cheap guys. I'm, I'm fine going with another quarterback receiver stack and sticking Gronk in there, too. I think uh, I think I like him more than I like Brady this week just uh, because of the fact that uh, I think if he – if he can go off early, he can get enough of his stats, but Brady needs more as a quarterback to play the whole game, and I don't think he's going to play the whole game. But uh, moving on to the next game, we have the Washington Redskins at the Giants. Low over-under in this game of 38. Obviously, the Giants are struggling on both sides of the ball. Washington, three-and-a-half-point favorite. I kind of like the Washington offense this week going against this bad Giants D. Kirk Cousins coming on a bit. Five touchdowns last two weeks. An impressive 299-yard 299 yard three-touchdown game against Denver of all teams last week. Uh, Eli Apple's been suspended because he wouldn't go on the scout team. No Javoris Jenkins, no Landon Collins. This giant secondary is completely depleted. No, it absolutely is. Uh, I definitely like a couple pieces of this uh, Washington offense. Of course, the the worry here is, I mean, you know, a 38 uh, over under, which yep. is uh, – the lowest uh, of the day. I mean, for the Redskins, honestly, I think Vernon Davis to me is somewhat of a consideration. Uh, you know, Giants obviously have been horrendous uh, opposing, uh, guarding opposing tight ends. Um, they are allowing the most Fanduel points to tight ends this year, thirteen point two. Uh, and then Crowder, I guess, is a GPP consideration as well. But it's just not the best matchup against Dominic Rogers Camardi. The guy I really like in this offense this week is Josh Doxson at fifty eight hundred. Um, he plays every snap. He's always on the field, played 69 snaps last week, and he's faced a ton of really good cornerbacks recently. He finally gets a break this week. He had 13 targets last week. He only had two catches, but they took mm-hmm. a ton of deep shots with him. He did catch a touchdown. Um, you know, only a, ton, a, a total of 10, car, 10, 10 catches the last four weeks, but he's a boomer bust guy, but in a tournament at 5,800, I really like Doxson to make a big play or two this week. I think he's a prime GPP target for me this week. Yeah, I like it. Uh, he always seems to be the forgotten man for me, um, and I think it's just because I've sort of glossed over him seeing his matchups the last few weeks and have rightfully avoided him. So, yeah, I like that. I, I just uh, just wrote him down after you mentioned that. Um, on the Giants' side, I mean, nobody I really want to touch here. Um, you know, Sterling Shepard's dealing with a neck injury. Uh, Evan Ingram isn't practicing. Tavares King isn't practicing. Um, your boy, Roger Lewis, I mean, he's been very intriguing. Uh, yep. A target monster. Didn't produce much last week, but, um, you know, 11 targets in week 16 marks the third straight week that Lewis saw double-digit targets. Yeah, I mean, at 5,100, if I can get double-digit targets, I think that's, that's, a, that's a go for me at all times. Uh, like you said, Shepard and Ingram both might be out this week. There's no reason for the Giants to rush those guys either. Ingram's got some bruised ribs that I just don't think it's going to be worth for him to play, to, to pay in that, play in that sort of pain. Uh, just a tough matchup. You know, they smoked Eli and the Giants in week 12 just five weeks ago. Uh, you got a lot of good players on the Redskins defense, uh, secondary especially. I just, I, I'm, I'm concerned about the matchup a little bit, but I'd really like the volume. So I'm a little bit torn on Lewis, but at 5,100, I think I'm going to have some of him. 
and hope that they just kind of pepper him with targets because there's nobody else there. Tavares King is not going to play either. So he's kind of the one guy right now, and you got to think he's going to see a lot of volume. Yeah, and at the same time, he may also see a lot of Josh Norman, who's yep, uh, quietly having potentially potentially his best season. So, uh, yeah, the price is right, but I can see your internal struggle there. Any interest in uh, Wayne Gallman? They're a little bit of a committee, but his receiving numbers have been huge. 19 catches last week on 24 targets. He played 52 snaps total uh, versus only 15 total for uh, Orleans Darkwood and Paul Perkins. Seems like a cheap play uh, to me at 5,100, but maybe more of a PPR guy. Exactly, and uh, somebody that I might consider for uh, you know a, f- a full site, uh, a full PPR site. But to me, just you know, I-, I like seeing those targets. That's fantastic. But uh, you know, just you know, getting averaging ten carries over the last couple of games, un- unless he really breaks a big one or gets in the end zone, which he hasn't been doing. Uh, to me, it's kind of a risky play, even at fifty one hundred. Moving on to the next game, which is kind of a tough game just based on the situation. We have the Cowboys headed to the Eagles. Dallas favored by two and a half. Yes, you read that right. Dallas favored by two and a half because Philadelphia has clinched home field throughout. They have no reason to play anybody. Uh, head coach Doug Peterson has not really indicated what he's going to do, but you just got to figure even if, they, even if the starters play just to stay fresh because they do have a bye week, uh, it's not going to be for very long. There's no reason to risk injury in this in this game, especially when they're already on their backup quarterback. They can't get Nick Foles hurt with, uh, with Carson Wentz already out for the year. On the Dallas side, um, they should, you know, they, they should play their starters. But Jason Garrett said they're going to look at some young guys. He made a couple of quotes that uh, maybe maybe a little concern on the Cowboys side of the ball. Um, Zeke Elliott is fully priced eighty seven hundred. I just wonder where he's going to get the volume. If he does, I really like him against an Eagles team that has nothing to play for. Uh, how do you feel about the Cowboys this week uh, based on uh, based on the situation? Uh, I don't know. I know that uh, our boy or, or my boy, the boy that you hate, uh, rightfully so, Des Bryant actually Garbage. didn't practice. Yeah, didn't practice uh, for some undisclosed reason. Um, you know, the funny part is last week I had a, an, an insane lineup uh, over on DK, 203 points, uh, had Gurley, Gates. I mean, you name it, just loaded. Um, all I really needed um, to, to like just have a monster score, just, you know, make you know 15 grand was a decent des bryant game just get in the end zone just break a big play just something so it 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 makes perfect sense it's just uh very uh apropos that uh i would uh go out and and not get a big score in week 16 because of a guy like des who's been uh burning me all year all i can say is i i I very much i told you so i very (laughs) much no i very much respect your loyalty uh yeah. No such thing as loyalty in uh, DFS. Is, you know. <laughs> yeah, Dez was Dez with three forty four three catches, forty four yards last week. Um, still, my favorite stat is only top seventy five yards once all year, hundred yards zero times all year. He came out today, did a long interview saying that it's the it's the offensive scheme that's been the problem, not him or Dak. He said he's still Des Bryant. Uh, I'm not buying it. I, I'm finally just off him. If he has a big game this week, so be it. I just I've avoided yeah. him for so many weeks now that uh, you know I'm fine with it. He's been so bad. He's still seven thousand. You know, I still think he's overpriced. I'm just not going to invest in their pass offense. Dak is obviously struggling, lost a lot of confidence. Um, I just want no part of this, and I'm a little bit concerned that they may uh, they may take a look at some young guys in the second half because the game means nothing to them. Yeah, and and to me, uh, I do think that we might see a lot of action from Zeke Elliott. Uh, he, he is one of my top three favorite receivers, um, no, just no matter the salary. Um, was a quote earlier that I read that he was likely going to uh, see a full complement of snaps. And if the Eagles happen to rest some of the def- their defensive starters, that would uh, bode even more well for, for uh, Zeke. 
It does. I love Zeke if he gets his full complement of carries. I'm going to study this one later in the week and kind of see what Jason Garrett has to say. If it looks like Zeke's going to play fully and, and play the whole game, he's someone that I really like with the, with the Eagles definitely resting some key defensive guys down the stretch. Yeah, and on the Eagles side of the ball, I mean, it's very hard to predict. Um, the only guy I'd even remotely consider is uh, their uh, sort of, you know, we saw a couple flashes of it is a of rookie receiver, Mac Hollins, who I think is going to get some run in this final game. Uh, you know, Bryce Treggs was actually recently signed, uh, you know, off off of Cleveland, so he may get some run as well. But again, these are all speculative dart throws. Um, from what I read as of Thursday morning, is that Nick Foles is going to start the game. Uh, but either way, I think if, if anyone that I'm touching from this side of the ball, because I'm not messing with the running backs, uh, it's going to be Matt Collins. Yeah, I'd need to see some uh, some pretty uh, some pretty concrete quotes from the Eagles to even consider any of the cheap guys. Definitely not playing any of the starters. I don't care what they say. I don't think the starters are going to play the full game anyway. So not touching Aguilar or Jeffrey or Foles. Um, I guess the only situation could be if they if they sit uh, Legarrette Blount and Jay Ajayi, maybe Corey Clement gets in the mix. But I think the Eagles is a situation we got to look at maybe on Saturday or Sunday morning and, and figure out if they they make some concrete decisions that maybe some value plays uh, perk up. But uh, I'm avoiding them for now. Yeah, that's it from that's it for me on this one. The mighty uh, own fifteen Cleveland Browns headed to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh a fourteen point favorite. Another game that uh, Pittsburgh needs to win uh, to for some seeding, but only if New England loses. So Pittsburgh's going to play hard early, I would imagine. But if they get up, they could sit guys. If they look at the scoreboard and the Patriots are up by twenty one, maybe they start to sit some guys too. Uh, with Antonio Brown already banged up, got to figure they're going to be as safe as they can with with Ben and Le'Veon and Juju Smith. Uh, on the Cleveland side, Duke Johnson's kind of the only guy that's interesting to me. Uh, 14 targets last two weeks, really heavily involved in the passing game. Only 5,700. Could be the perfect game script for uh, for Duke Johnson. You know, uh, Running backs have been smoking Pittsburgh the last four weeks. Alfred Blue and Lamar Miller, of all people, were 26 for 163 last week against the Steelers. Uh-huh. Monday. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's just nobody I'm interested in playing here. Uh, I did run a lineup with a sneaky lower than usual percentage Josh Gordon last week. Uh, not so sneaky. He ended up with uh, just two catches for 19 yards. Ugh. Uh, I could to- I could totally see this ending a game where the Browns end up scoring under 10 points. And so on this full slate, there's just no one I want to use for this embarrassment of a franchise. Any interest in the Steelers? I mean, you know, there is the risk of them sitting guys late, but, you know, great matchup, obviously, against the Browns. Ben Roethlisberger has multiple touchdown passes seven games in a row now. 280-plus yards in five of his last six. I mean, it's a perfect setup, just a game script, plus uh, maybe sitting late uh, that, that worries me a little bit on Ben. Yeah, and that's what, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit less uh, enthused about this offense altogether. The more I study this game, the more I think about it, and, and the fact that they should, you know, absolutely should rest some of these players. I mean, they're playing the Browns, for for, for goodness sake. Uh, yeah, so I don't think Bell is necessarily safe for cash as he usually is, especially at the price. Um, and you know, I could definitely see Juju, you know, dropping a 40 yard bomb or Ben dropping a 40 yard bomb to Juju. Um, but you <laughs> yeah, know, you don't, you don't want Juju to drop it. No, no, no. <laughs> so, you know, for the most part, um, again, probably a game that I'm going to have a little bit less interest in than usual. Yeah, I'm with you too. I, I'm, I'm off Le'Veon. He's a fade for me. 9,500. He's just hugely priced. And I think that if you're going to play Le'Veon, and you're going to pay that much for him. You're going to need to know you're going to get the full volume that you need from Le'Veon. I just, there's just too many ways that uh, they could rest him late based on the New England game or based on the score in this game. So I'm going to ease off him. Uh, any interest in the Steelers? D, 5,400. They had seven sacks last week. Cleveland's turned the ball over nine times the last three weeks. 
Yes, yes. They are my favorite defense. If I can fit them in, I'm going to do so this week. Uh, real quick before we get to the afternoon games, a quick read from our sponsor, FanDuel.com. Fantasy football is wrapping up, but FanDuel is still here, and FanDuel will be going through the playoffs, too. You can play FanDuel in the playoffs. FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans. New contests starting every week. No busted seasons here. There's something for everyone. A lot of contests to choose from starting at just $1. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. Obviously, a really fun week to play on FanDuel. Most of the season-long leagues are over. If you want to get your fix and get some fantasy football this week, FanDuel is the place to do it. Over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. Take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, your last chance in the Sunday Million in the regular season, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes, all with your first deposit on FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash RW, void where prohibited. As we move to the 1 o'clock games, the first one's really interesting. Two teams that are um, in the playoffs but vying for position within their seating. Carolina headed to the to the Mercedes-Benz or whatever they're calling it now, Georgia Dome. Uh, Atlanta fared by four, over under a 46, high over under in this game. Uh, what say you on the Carolina side? I'm glad I faded Cam Newton another week after the big week. He was bad last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, I did too, which is nice. I, I know we discussed it on the show. Uh, he did drop 20 fantasy points against the Falcons in their earlier meeting, uh, but most of those points came uh, as a runner. Uh, he didn't even top 150 passing yards in that game, or 150, that is. Um, and Atlanta, I mean, they have been pretty solid against the pass all year. They're allowing under 220 passing yards per game, under seven yards per attempt to opposing quarterbacks. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just a situation here where – any damage that Cam does is likely going to come on the ground. And so I might consider running somebody like McCaffrey in, you know, if I was doing a game stack of this one, I do think this game is stackable. Um, the Falcons are the only team that has allowed over a hundred receptions to opposing running backs. Um, they do rank middle of the pack in terms of fantasy points allowed to running backs against the pass. But um, for me, I'd probably prefer McCaffrey if I wanted a piece of this offense slightly over Greg Olson and uh, definitely over uh, bum shoulder Funches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, McCaffrey, after the big usage week the week before, only 11 touches last week against uh, against Tampa Bay, but this is a, a perfect game script for him. Like you said, uh, the Falcons uh, have a lot of issues with uh, running backs out of the backfield. They allowed 10 catches last week to uh, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Uh, I, you know, Cam is tough for me, just another week under 200 yards. I just don't trust their pass offense. Like we said, Greg Olson laid an egg last week. Good call by you last week. You are, you are a fade on Olson. The cam passing goes just so inconsistent. But like you said, good game script. Could be a little bit of a shootout as these two teams go back and forth. Uh, but kind of makes me like Matt Ryan. Uh, 7,400. Mm. Tough to play him. I get that. Doesn't have a three-touchdown game. Uh, three touchdowns in a game all year. Three touchdowns total the last four weeks. But Carolina's allowed 280-plus passing yards in four of the last five. They are a mess covering the pass right now. Even Jameis Winston had 367 on them last week, even though he only one touchdown. Ryan's at his lowest salary all year, 7,400. He will be low percentage. Uh, I think he's an interesting tournament play this week. Uh, you know, maybe he finally has that big game before the year ends. Yeah, I could definitely see it happening. I, and, uh, and, and I'm hearing some, uh, uh, you know, some, some, some discussion on Twitter about like, you know, Matt Ryan. How can we do it? How can we even trust him? And everybody's moving off of him. But uh, right. yeah, I mean, it could be a game where him and Julio just go off. I mean. Uh, you know, Julio was all right in their earlier game against the Panthers. I think he caught half of his targets, like six to 12 for 118 yards. And uh, yeah, I mean, the issue is just, you know, Bradbury and, 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 and Worley 
um, have just not been very good. I mean, these are these are two guys that uh, you know two two perimeter cornerbacks who uh, had really decent, very solid uh, starts to their career last year as rookies, and a, a pretty good start to the season for them both. But really, just been getting torched lately. And uh, and James Bradbury is you know somebody who Julio is going to see a lot in coverage. He actually you know per you know pro football focus. I mean, he, he is literally now one of the worst perimeter corners, uh, basically on all the big plays that he's been giving up over the last few couple months. Even Mike Evans got a hundred yards on them last week. Finally got them hundred. Yeah. For Mike. What about Devonte Freeman? 6,900. He was on fire, but really quiet last week. Although most of that was game flow there behind the saints. Most of the game, you know, the Falcons have a great offensive line, especially run blocking, but Carolina run D is nasty. They haven't allowed a running back to go over 85 yards all year. They're the third best in the NFL, allowing only 17.2 Fanduel points to running backs. Uh, for me, this lines up as a passing game for the Falcons, and I'm hoping offense coordinator Steve Sarkeesian sees it the same way. Uh, I think if I go anywhere in this game, it's going to be Ryan and Julio, and I like that this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed because, uh, you know, Devonta Freeman was one of the guys that I was very high on on this podcast and just didn't come through. Uh, he was literally my favorite price-per-dollar guy uh, at the position. Um, you know, the box score, of course, doesn't tell the whole story. Um, he did get stuffed multiple times on the goal line last week, and he ended up having a fumble um, on the goal line as well. Actually, his first fumble of the year. Uh, Devonta Freeman's obviously a very solid player in a tough matchup, but they're favored here. Um, you know, after talking, after you mentioning, you know, thinking that it's more of a passing game and obviously me having a lot of trust in your intuition on things, um, maybe makes me like Devonta Freeman just a touch less than I did before we began recording today. Yeah, he's well-priced, which is the intriguing thing, and he can't catch balls out of the backfield, but um, I just worry about uh, how much they use him. I worry about the Carolina run D. I'm going to go elsewhere at running back. Uh, I just, I, I think they throw the ball a lot this game. Uh, I think Ryan's interesting, and I think he'll be very low percentage, especially with 32 quarterbacks to choose from this week. F it. Main team, Ryan and Julio. Might as well end the season off with a bang. Let's do it. And it's a late game, and Julio's fun to root for. Uh, you you got to like yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, All right. I, I'm sold. I'm sold. Very nice. Uh, I, I look forward to uh, you blaming me for that uh, about 4.30 on Sunday. And then from the high <laughs> of this game to the low of? Kansas City, Kansas City. at Denver. Uh, we have a, a terrible <laughs> offense in Denver with starting Paxton Lynch this week. You know, I was mildly interested in the Denver offense a little bit going against Kansas City, not playing for anything until I saw that Paxton Lynch was playing rather than Osweiler. But Kansas City, they are already confirmed they're sitting Alex Smith, Pat Mahomes, and his first NFL start. Uh, Andy Reid has a history of sitting guys in games like this. Um, I don't think Kareem Hunt plays very much if he plays. Same with Tyreek Hill, same with Travis Kelsey. Um, so Pat Mahomes and Chair Kendrick West are kind of the interesting plays if you want to do anything on the side. But, you know, Mahomes against the Denver secondary is first start, even at 6,000. I think there's enough value this week that I'm going to pay up at quarterback and not go Mahomes. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and something I just thought of, how ironic it is for the hundreds of people that named their season-long fantasy teams rolling with Mahomes <laughs> that uh, they actually never got to use him in now, you know, unless they're playing in a Week 17 league. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, low over under here, 39. Um, you know, Casey's sitting all their starters, like you mentioned. Um, you know, nobody really interesting here. The only one guy that, that potentially might work for me as a cheap uh, option is a is a tight end Demetrius Harris. And then that's only, of course, if we think uh, Kelsey's not going to play very much. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like we always talk about the you know the star players sitting, but you know it, with that comes maybe some offensive linemen sitting too. So you got to wonder how how effective they are at blocking at forty nine hundred. Any Charkandrick West interested at all if Hunt is ruled out? 
No, not not against this Denver defense. Um, to me, I usually just don't play running backs against them, especially when Denver's at home. Uh, definitely not rolling with any of these uh, scrub receivers um, at Denver as well against, you know, Roby and Tlaib and all these guys. That's why, to me, the only play that sort of sticks out if uh, Kelsey doesn't play is going to be Demetrius Harris because that's really the only way that uh, teams have been able to, uh, to, to score fantasy points against these Broncos. That's uh, I like that. Uh, he could be uh, he could be an interesting guy. I'm just looking right now. His Fanduel price is uh, 4,500. So he's min he's, he's min priced. Uh, had four for 34 last week. He's shown a few flashes when Kelsey's been out. So I could see that one. Uh, what about the Denver side? Obviously, uh, Paxton Lynch kind of you know puts a puts a a bit of a dark cloud over this whole offense with him playing this week. But C.J. Anderson's been really good. 16 for 88 last week. Nine targets last week. Seven catches. That was with Osweiler. The Chiefs could rest starters, especially in the second half. Um, you know, but how much does Paxton Lynch playing concern you about this offense, uh, even the running game? Yeah, I mean, this this is going to be a full pass for me. I mean, C.J. Right. Anderson obviously is interesting, sort of, you know, re- resurrected his career just over the last couple of weeks, so it seems. Uh, but you know, likely no Sanders, likely no Cody Latimer. Um, never thought Latimer would actually come into a conversation in, in DFS, but uh, here we are. And uh, so that just leaves Demarius Thomas um, catching passes from Paxton Lynch, which doesn't sound too exciting. And uh, and C.J. Anderson, who's priced right around, um, you know, some really good other running backs. And so for me, um, this is going to be another one of those games, a total under 40, a Vegas total under 40, that uh, I'm likely not going to use anyone. But I think after a discussion, I think I almost really want to play Demetrius Harris now. This game will not be uh, not be one of the ones I'm putting on any of my big screens in my garage. No, no, no. Doesn't make it. Doesn't make the cut. <laughs> Jacksonville at Tennessee. Uh, interesting game. And because Jacksonville, uh, you know, Doug Marone, their, their coach, has said they're going to be playing to win. I'm not really buying it. Um, you know, they're not playing for anything, especially if they get any kind of lead. But they're a six-point underdog in this game, so that may not happen. But maybe if they get far behind, I just can't imagine them risking someone like Leonard Fournette, who's been banged up uh, as it is. They will not have a bye, so they'll be playing next week. So this is kind of their bye week. Um, I'm not buying it. I'm staying away from Jacksonville. I just I, I don't trust Doug Marone in the situation right now to uh, to to be a man of his word and actually play those guys. I just don't think it makes sense. Yeah, and, and I do believe on Thursday morning he said that Fournette is going to play. But uh, you know, even if Fournette was out, I mean, choosing between Ivory and, and Yeldon, and you know, even in a good matchup is not ideal. So against this Tennessee Rundy, it's actually stout, a top six unit, uh, likely wouldn't go there. Um, and like you mentioned, the Jags have clinched the number three seed. We could see probably very limited work from Bortles and, and the main starters. The other thing that's interesting is they could potentially, I mean, if they care to, try to knock the Titans out of the playoffs with a win here. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, the Titans could, you know, they can also sneak in their, you know, eight and eight team um, with a loss. So I think it's if the Dolphins beat the Bills and the Raiders beat the Chargers, they could still get in with a loss. Um, but essentially, if they win, they're in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, for Jacksonville, I'm not really using anyone else, anyone here in DFS. Um, you know, Marquis Lee is almost definitely out. Um, Hearns is probably going to be out again. Cole's price is rising. He did briefly leave last game with an ankle tweak, but he was able to come back and end his day with over 100 yards. And Cole's been a beast, man, like just out of nowhere um, down the stretch. He scored three times in his last four games, and he's averaging 131 yards receiving over his last three games. And he saw 13 targets last week. And as we know, matchup with the Titans secondary is always one to exploit. You mentioned, you know, if Jacksonville wins, they knock Tennessee out, but they would never say it. But I think they want, I think they want, uh, I think they want Tennessee in. I don't think they want to play the Chargers in the first round. 
I'd much rather play Tennessee in the first round than the Chargers. I think the Chargers are way more dangerous than Tennessee. So they may never say it, but I think losing this game kind of helps them next week. Uh, I like that point. Very smart. This is why you are the lead on this uh, this, this here podcast. <laughs> Tennessee – on the Tennessee side, DeMarco Murray has a, a sprained MCL in his knee. They, they say he's going to be a game-time decision. So everybody in the world is talking about Derrick Henry, only 5,800. Got to think he's going to be a pretty popular play if DeMarco Murray sits. But I went back and looked at him last three weeks, 8 for 20, 7 for 19, 8 for 25. So uh, when he has carried the ball, he's been really bad. But you got to wonder if the volume, maybe he gets a flow going. Jaguars haven't allowed 80 yards rushing to a running back since week six, but got to wonder if some of their defensive guys sit. Uh, what are you going to do with Derrick Henry? He's going to be popular if DeMarco sits. going to be popular even maybe if DeMarco doesn't sit. Uh, you fading? You playing? Uh, where do you go on, on Derrick Henry? So for me, it's simple. Like I do really like him very much this week. I do not think DeMarco Murray plays. Um, he, this is some chalk that I'm going to eat, most likely in cash games. Uh, and, and the price is very decent, so I'll probably have some exposure in tournaments, but I'm not going to go like full lock button on him. I think that's always very dangerous with just about anybody. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, the other interesting pieces here are the receivers and Delaney Walker. If we get some sort of read, if the, the you know, Jags end up sitting any of their defensive starters, notably Bowie and Ramsey. So. Um, obviously, that'd be great for the Titans playoff chances and uh, and for the passing game, even though Mariota has been horrible. Yeah, this is one of those one of the sides of the ball where I'm gonna have to see some stuff on Saturday and see what Marone says about the defensive players. I'm not playing Richard Matthews if Ramsey and Bouye are playing, but if they're not, or if they're gonna play a quarter or a half, you know, then he becomes really interesting. He's 5500. I don't like Marcus Mariota. He's tough to watch, but a must win game. He's their wide receiver one. They throw him the ball a lot. He's an interesting guy to me if if Jacksonville kind of rests some guys in the second half and he can get loose a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So to me, Derrick Henry for the most part, and then probably some exposure to Delaney Walker. The uh, the best quarterback in the NFL heads down to Los Angeles, Jimmy Garoppolo, 7,700 this week. Boom! Uh, off uh, four wins in a row now. My favorite, my favorite stat is that the Niners win this week and the Raiders lose. The Niners and Raiders end up with the same record. Niners were the, uh, the, the disgusting team in the Barry, and the Raiders were the Super Bowl champions. So it uh, makes me smile. They might end up with the same record. It's, uh, it's a joy for all those Raiders fans out there. Uh, Jimmy G this week, 7,700. Everybody's worried about Jacksonville. My, my most impressive thing I saw with him was that he realized that the receivers weren't going to be uh, open as, as they have in the past weeks with, with Bouye and Ramsey. He really used the fullback. He used Kyle Juszczyk a lot, used, uh, you know, used uh, George Kittle a little bit. To only 242 yards, but two touchdowns against Jacksonville. They threw up over 40 points on the Jags. Uh, the Rams may rest some stars this week. Sean McVay has already said they're gonna, he's going to take advantage of the situation. I think Aaron Donald is the most important guy in this defense, maybe the most important defender in the NFL. I think he's going to sit, which is huge for the 49ers offense. You know Garoppolo is going to be like a like a top four uh, quarterback in, in, in season longs next year. It's just going to be, I mean, <laughs> what's not to love about this, this guy. I mean, sometimes you just want to sort of fade what's, what's cool and popular and everybody loves Garoppolo, but this is like the real deal. I mean, like if there's anyone that's sort of the next Brady, you can see it coming. Anyone with any sort of football, eye knows that this is the guy. So I'm very excited for you as a Niners fan uh, was really amazing how he carved up this Jaguars defense last week, uh, especially with mostly mediocre weapons. Uh, and so again, you know, you've got a 45 total here. You got potentially the Rams sitting, possibly sitting some of their starters, maybe Ogletree, maybe Tremaine Johnson, uh, you know, Donald as well. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think there is some, some possibility that, uh, you know, Jimmy G has another big game, um, actually, you know, regresses to the mean in terms of actually, uh, throwing, uh, three touchdown passes for the first time. So, 
Um, I guess, who do you like in this Niners offense if you were to roll with some Jimmy G? I love, love, love Marquise Goodwin this week. Uh, priced up below, oh, yeah. he's still under 7000 He was only 3 for 37 last week, but again, that's the Jacksonville DBs. They kinda done, they've done that to almost everybody all year long. Still 31 targets last three games. Jimmy G loves him. He's the only guy that can really create some separation. And Jimmy hits him in stride, which is key. I think I love him catching the ball and then making a, making a play after the catch. Uh, I love his chances against the Rams, especially if they play some, backup, some backups on D in the second half. Um, I think Goodwin's a, a huge play for me this week, 6,900. I think he goes over 100 yards. I think he scores. I think he hits a big play. And I, I, think, the Niners, I think the Niners end up winning this game against the Rams' backups in the second half. I like it. I like it. He was not highly up there in my radar. I just had him sort of as a GPP play. Um, I guess um, I, I was shooting my expectations too low because I was interested in uh, rookie tight end George Kittle. Um, he did get in the end zone last week, um, now has seven catches and nearly 100 receiving yards over the last two games. But again, you know, that totally makes sense. Like, you know, how do you describe Goodwin like you just did? And then I describe Kittle where upside is 50 yards a game. So, yeah, it, it makes a lot more sense to go with somebody like Goodwin over Kittle. So I will uh, side with you, my friend. Yeah, and they the, the Niners did a lot of things to to uh, the Jaguars to try and confuse them last week, but most of it was really trying to get uh, the fullbacks and tight ends involved and going away from the Jaguars' strength. Uh, Shanahan had a really good game plan, and Garoppolo executed it really well. I think they're going to go back to the receivers this week. I think Goodwin will get a lot of targets. I like a guy like Goodwin because we always know he's boomer bust. He's got a ton of speed, might be the fastest receiver in the NFL. But if you get a guy like that also with targets, I just think the chances are there for, for so many big plays that uh, I like him this week a lot. Under 7,000, uh, definitely a big play for me. What about Carlos Hyde? He had nice volume last week, 21 carries, and Niners got a lead in the second half. But my concern with him is that Matt Breida looked really good. Played 23 snaps, scored a touchdown late. Um, 19 of, of Hyde's 21 carries went for five yards or less. He did score a touchdown, but... I haven't seen the I haven't seen the burst from Carlos Hyde that I want to see in order to play him at sixty nine hundred. Is he for sure going to be with this team next year, Carlos uh, Hyde? I would say for sure is definitely out of the equation. I think it's probably fifty fifty. Um, there's been something with with Shanahan and him all year. I don't think Shanahan loves him as a running back. I like Hyde. I, I like Hyde. I, I like what I see from him most games, but um, I just don't know if he fits in the Shanahan system. If Shanahan really likes him, he didn't draft him. Um, I'd be uh, I'd be I'd say it's about forty sixty. He's on the team next year. Okay, and so I think for that reason, uh, you sort of spell it out for me is, and I love Hyde too. I mean, you know, we've been right, we've been pimping him all year. Um, you know, I, I I would almost prefer Matt Breda in this game if I was to go in a, in a direction. I could uh, I could see Breda getting um, uh, a lot more snaps in this one. Yeah, I think there's probably going to be uh, running backs I like more. I think I'm probably going to go with the passing game in this offense. But what it's, about is it Breda? It's it, Breda, right? Matt Breda. Did I yeah, say and Breda? I think with AJ, I think I said AJ Bowie. I, I, at least I think I did. Oh yeah! Um, if you could go back and edit it and put a yay at the end there for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> on the Rams side of the ball, Sean McVay's already indicated he's going to rest some guys. I think Gurley and Jared Goff sit. Um, don't love a lot in this offense, but Malcolm Brown, he's forty five hundred. You know, should get the start, but no Goff, no Gurley. Maybe some offensive linemen sit. You know, you have to play someone, obviously, but. I just wonder what their offense looks like, but he's been good. He's been pretty good when he played. He has three games where he has a, had over 10 carries. He went 11 for 48, 15 for 57, and 10 for 45. Um, if he gets some work, 4,500 men's salary for a running back who starts, uh, definitely intriguing in this game. Um, some Malcolm Brown. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he'll be in for MVP Gurley, and and honestly, <laughs> I mean, I, I really like him. I like him very much, other than the fact that the Niners have been um, somewhat, somewhat more stout against opposing running backs. Um, to me also, I'm, 
am looking at the, uh, the the receiver core here because it's going to be sort of a new group. They're going to want to see some of these young guys and see who uh, who comes up here because you know Woods and and Watkins are likely going to sit. Cooper Cup missed practice. He's dealing with a knee issue. Uh, don't think he plays either. So um, for me, it, it you know you're probably looking at a core of uh, Tavon Austin. Uh, slot corner Farrow Cooper and rookie Josh Reynolds, who uh, had a couple good games uh, earlier this year. And so um, for me, I think most, you know, these are guys that you're more, more likely to use over on DraftKings because of the, the cap savings if you want to go big um, at other positions. But uh, I think if I'm going to use anyone here, it'll probably be Farrow Cooper if Cup is out, uh, especially is up in the slot against Kawan Williams. Yeah, I mean, the 49ers, uh, 49ers secondary still can't stop guys. Their, their defense is playing a little bit better, but uh, that can be an interesting play. What about the Niners' defense? They're only 4,000 going against Sean Manning, Mannion. I can't say that name. Mannion, Sean Mannion. Yeah. Uh, any interest there at all if you if you just want to punt a defense and, and maybe hope that Mannion makes a couple mistakes? Yes, absolutely. As actually was a, a question I had posed to you. What do you, what do you think? Uh, this is before I was 100% sure that Mannion was starting, was basically if he does start, um, you know, would you consider the Niners as a, as a flyer defense? Yeah, they're, they're playing a little bit better on defense. They gave up a lot of yards last week to Jacksonville, but a lot of that was uh, – some of that was late. Um, they, they had a couple drives late where they just kind of were playing prevent defense. So, they, you know, they're not, they haven't been a great defense, but they've been a little bit better than they were early on. Uh, if Mannion plays and I need some salary relief, uh, 4000 is interesting for you know a team going against a lot of backups. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a punt play. I think you don't expect uh, a ton, but you're kind of hoping for maybe a, maybe a, a bad Mannion mistake that turns into a pick six. Maybe a couple of sacks. You know, Solomon Thomas, DeForest Buckner uh, played pretty well last week against Jacksonville. Um, yeah, as a, as a punt defense, I think they're, they're mildly interesting, even though I, I don't expect them to go off. Did, did you ever watch? Uh, obviously, you're more of a college guy than I am. Did you ever watch Mannion at uh, at OSU? Is he uh, somebody with a big arm? I mean, is he or is he going to be more going to be handing the ball off to Malcolm Brown and and throwing it a lot in the slot to Farrell Cooper? Yeah, I watched him some. Uh, you know, I had some of those. Uh, I had Victor Bolden on a, on a fantasy college team. He was one of their receivers. Uh, so I think he's got a pretty good arm, but I just don't know. Uh, I don't know what to expect. You know, I don't know what their game plan will be with him. But you got to think if they're going to play him, they're going to they're going to want to use him and see what he has. But uh, not someone I'm going to play just because I don't know what their what their setup's going to be. I, I'm not uh, not going to play him in any Fanduel teams. But uh, you got to think they let him uh, at least throw the ball and see what he can do a little bit. Yep, exactly. But I think, nevertheless, I think it, it's fair to say that it, this is a game with a 45 Vegas total that I, I think there are some pieces that we could use, uh, potentially even game stack if you're going to have um, you know a lot of defenders out. Um, and so whether that be you know going with a, a Cooper or Malcolm Brown as a punt and uh, or possibly using Garoppolo and, and Goodwin as a combo. Yeah, I just uh, I just saw a report that says they're definitely going to arrest Goff, Gurley, and Aaron Donald. So that's that's pretty much locked in and confirmed this week. So that'll be uh, it'll be interesting. It's too bad I want I want to see the Niners play against the uh, against the Rams uh, full team for some fun, but uh, it makes sense. I think Sean McVay is really smart, so it does make sense there. Uh, moving, uh, we've got another game in Los Angeles, a doubleheader in LA this week. The uh, the Raiders headed to the Chargers. Got to think that's going to be a Raiders home game with all the Raiders fans down here even though the Chargers need to win this game. Um, on the Oakland side of the ball, uh, I want no part of Derek Carr. I liked him earlier this year to start the series season in, in full season leagues, but uh, no interest in Carr. I've been very unimpressed with what I've seen. The one guy who's looked good recently, Marshawn Lynch, 6,600. Uh, 25 carries last week for 95 yards against the Philly defense. The Chargers have been thrashed on the ground the last two weeks. Uh, Bilal Powell had 145 yards last week, and then uh, Kareem Hunt, 155 the week before. Uh, there's a lot of running backs I like in that range, but any interest in Marshawn this week? 
he's about just the only guy I would consider on the Raiders. Um, you know, because on the passing side, I mean, you're you know you're going up against a top three secondary uh, led by Casey Hayward. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, Marshawn Lynch is probably the only way I'd go. Um, but, you know, projected volume is the one thing I don't like in this game with potential uh, negative game script for them. Yeah. So what about the Chargers side? They uh, they have to win this week to uh, to try and get in the playoffs. Um, I love Phil Rivers against this uh, this off- this uh, Raiders defense this week. Could be all on him. You know, Melvin Gordon could be out, could be limited. He's going to be a game time decision. Says he's optimistic about playing. We know how that always works. Rivers is quietly beasting right now. 290 yards plus in four of his last five. Only five touchdowns the last four weeks. A little concerning, but uh, he's playing really well right now, posting a lot of yards. Yeah, I mean, he's my favorite quarterback of the week. Um, it's you know, it's another game with playoff implications here. Chargers basically need to win and have some other things fall into place for them. Uh, you know, basically, if the Titans beat the Jaguars, the Chargers are out. So, um, you know, really tough here. Melvin Gordon was in a walking boot after last game, not practicing this week, questionable to play. Um, I, you know, for some reason, I just think that he, um, you know, rises to the occasion and, and makes the start. Um, if for whatever reason he can't suit up, um, since Austin Eckler is not at full strength, you'll likely see Brandon Oliver. And, and uh, Oliver, if he does play and is the starter, is not a bad consideration. Um, you know, if it ends up being a case where Malcolm Brown is the chalk uh, or, or semi-chalk, I mean, on a 16-game slate, um, Oliver isn't awful. I guess he'd get a lot of volume and uh, somebody that you could pivot off of from Brown. Yeah, if Gordon doesn't play, Do too. if Gordon doesn't play, I really like Brandon Oliver. Uh, they've already said he'll be the starter if Gordon doesn't play, and then Eckler coming off the injury would kind of be worked in. So uh, I like Oliver too. The guy I really like here though is Keenan Allen. He's probably my favorite receiver this week at eight six hundred. He and Julio are definitely my top two plays. Quiet last two weeks, you know, five fifty four and five for sixty three, but still eighteen targets. Um, the Raiders secondary has been a little bit better lately. No wide receivers over eighty yards in five weeks, but I looked a little closer. They have faced Paxton Lynch, Geno Smith, Alex Smith, Dak Prescott, and Nick Foles, and that was a that was a windy game with Foles. So I think it's more of an issue of them facing weaker quarterbacks than actually really playing that much better. Yeah, I, I like Keenan Allen as well. I mean, obviously, if I like Rivers, uh, you know, Keenan's the guy I'm going to go to here. Um, he does come in at a whopping 8600 on FanDuel, which is the second most expensive uh, behind only DeAndre Hopkins. Uh Sometimes I just look back at, uh, you know, previous matchups and see how things go. Um, he did only have seven fantasy points against the Raiders in week six. But, I mean, I don't think that reflects anything whatsoever for Sunday's game with Rivers likely to be locked in on him all day. Um, definitely probably, I mean, definitely a better play on full PPR sites. But in a game where, you know, Chargers really need to dominate this one, um, I really like that combination of Rivers and Allen this week. Yeah, Rivers, Allen, and Ryan Julio are my, easily my two favorite game sacks this week. Nice. We're on the same page, buddy. Uh, now that you got me out of Ryan a little bit. What about uh, Antonio Gates? I was wrong on him last week. I didn't see it coming. He hadn't topped 30 yards all season, even with Hunter Henry off out. out. He went off. Six catches, 81 yards, eight targets. Uh, I missed him badly at mid-price. It was a huge swing and miss for me there. Should be heavy in the mix this week, all the way up to 5,700 on the price, though. Are you going back to Gates this week? Uh, I definitely see him catch, uh, you know, catching a few balls, possibly getting in the end zone. Yeah, sure, he's a consideration for me. Um, you know, last week was one of those cases where I badly wanted to fade that Gates chalk, 
Um, but then realize that my my justification for it wasn't correct. It's just sometimes when you read everybody on someone, uh, it just really annoys you. And you want to go um, in the other direction, but for the wrong reasons. And, and the more I looked into it, um, it twenty five hundred over on the other site was too good to be true. Forty five hundred min price on Fanduel just had to play it. So um, definitely can see him doing a little bit. Um, you can even you know if you're game stacking, you can pair him up with. Uh, um, Keenan Allen and Rivers as well. It's just the, the problem is you're probably going to have the running back uh, vulture at least one of those touchdowns. Since you asked, I looked and uh, at draft time, Mike May- Mike Mayock compared Sean Mannion to Mike Glennon and Matt Schaub as his NFL comparisons. Oh, that, that sounds uh, very favorable so, for the uh, San Francisco defense. Take uh, <laughs> take that uh, take that as you wish, but uh, I okay. want to look for some comparisons and that uh, that those are the names that I saw. So. Uh, Good to know. Moving on to the next game, another game where Seattle has to win. Arizona at Seattle. Seattle's favored by 7.5, low over-under of 39. On the Arizona side of the ball, you know, goes back to Larry Fitzgerald. He's 7,500, but Drew Stanton, who's playing quarterback, just locks in on him big time every week. Yeah, uh, I love Fitz again. Again, one of my favorite uh, receivers. Uh, did play him last week on that on that big uh, GPP team that I had. Uh, 15 targets, over 23 FanDuel points last week. Uh, on board with him for cash games and tourneys. Uh, he happened to go off against Seattle in their last meeting. He didn't get in the end zone, but he caught 10 of 14 targets for 113 yards. And uh, it was a Week 10 game where uh, Drew Stanton happened to be the quarterback at that point. And if uh, if you're going down Narrative Street, which you love, there's a possibility this could be Larry Fitzgerald's last game. Yep, yep. I love Narrative Street, and uh, yep, I'm gonna have me some 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 fits. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, did I on I did mention John Brown on the podcast? I, did I call a touchdown for him? You did. That was an excellent call uh, for John Brown. You uh, you are the you are the smoke whisperer. You uh, you and John Brown I'm, are linked in some way. So and so, check this out. I'm calling it again. John Brown's going to score another one. Wow. Uh, he did catch only two of four targets for 28 yards, but uh, you know, still ramping up off that toe injury. Uh, I could see him definitely getting more targets and easily paying off on that really cheap 4,900 salary. I'm uh, I'm a jilted ex-boyfriend on John Brown. I was uh, we were uh, we were together for a long time. We broke up, and I have a hard time going back to him. Fair fair enough. But uh, if you want six points for a touchdown and maybe uh, another <laughs> six for. You know, 12, 12 points at forty nine hundred could play. So you're the Russell Wilson whisperer. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to you on this one. Uh, horrible back to back games. Only ninety three yards passing last week. Some of that was game flow though. They were up and he only threw twenty one passes. Must win game for Seattle. He's their guy. Uh, what do you say about Russell Wilson at eighty seven hundred this week? Uh, yeah, it, it's hard after being burned the last two weeks, as as you know, and it's been well documented on this podcast um, on all my most important. Um, NFFC teams that were going for, you know, some overall championshipness. Uh, Russell Wilson is, you know, basically had him on five of six teams. Uh, Cousins was my sixth quarterback. And uh, yeah, he just let me down. But um, again, this is a business and of uh, not taking things personally and got to look at each game individually. Um, you know, we got the Seahawks here favored by slightly over a touchdown. Um, unfortunately, they don't control their own destiny because um, not only do they have to win, but the Falcons have to lose uh, to the Panthers. Right. Um, okay. So, yeah. So for me, uh, you know, like a, for me, I think the way that any uh, traction will happen in the offense against this very good Arizona defense is going to be with Doug Baldwin. Um, you know, he's going to have the best matchup of the group with, uh, with, uh, you know, um, you know, Tyron Matthew, the honey badger there. So, <laughs> 
Uh, you know, it's really the only way is through Doug Baldwin. I mean, Jimmy Graham got in the end zone last week on his only catch, a three-yarder, which means he now has a total of two receiving yards in his last three games. Can you believe that? That is actually impossible. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I'm speechless. I don't. I don't he's, even know what to say. He's in the last three games. He's two catches for two yards in the touchdown. It's impossible. It's unbelievable. Yeah. He caught the touchdown last week, and I, I started laughing. And I realized it was three yards, and I laughed again. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and and, and watch him troll us all and, and and have a monster game. But I just can't trust him. There's no way I can do it. Um, for so me, you don't think that you don't think that Peterson slides over and, and covers Baldwin a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely could happen, but um, you know, you know, you think for the most part, he does. I don't. I, I haven't seen many, very many situations where he moves into the slot, okay. and uh, you know, Lockett and and Paul Richardson could both be handfuls, and so I could see them just letting Matthew sort of deal with Baldwin because Baldwin really hasn't been that much of a threat lately. Um, to me, I like the Russell Wilson Baldwin combo. Um, unfortunately I've used them too much over the last month where they've disappointed me. Uh, but for me, it's probably like my fourth or fifth favorite pairing this week. Yeah. I, I like Wilson a lot this week myself. I just think he's going to, you know, get back into a game. They have to win. You know, they play at the same time as Atlanta Carolina. So they're going to have to go full out to win and then kind of, you know, there's not much they could do about Arizona or Atlanta Carolina, but uh, kind of look at the scoreboard, but I'm having trouble figuring out what receiver to pair him with. I just not sure where Peterson's going to play. Um, you know, you saying that about Baldwin makes me interested there. I was looking at Paul Richardson a little bit if, if Peterson was going to be on Baldwin, but he's been under 25 yards three of his last four games, still 18 targets the last three weeks, but he's just a boomer bust guy. He's a GPP guy, but if Peterson's going to guard him, then maybe you do go, go to Baldwin. So I was, I'm struggling a little bit with if, if I go with Wilson, if I go naked or if I pair him up with someone, uh, I wasn't sure what receiver to go with on the Seahawks. I'm, if I'm being fully honest. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And and again, let's keep in mind that this is a game where uh, we've got a total un- a Vegas total under forty. So again, maybe um, Arizona does uh, put some pressure on Wilson, and he goes for his third straight mediocre game. Seahawks defense came up huge last week: four sacks against the Cowboys, three turnovers, and a touchdown. They had been quiet before that. Arizona has allowed fifteen sacks the last three weeks, twenty and uh, uh, multiple turnovers the last couple of weeks. Uh, do you like the Seahawks D at 5,000 at all? Uh, they haven't been great, but uh, did did show some spark last week. Yeah, I like them obviously a little bit better at home. Uh, you know, dropped 20 fantasy points, of course, because they got a defensive touchdown as well. Um, one fantasy point combined in the, the previous two games. Of course, they were up against the uh, uh, surprising, I can't believe I'm saying this, offensive juggernauts of the Rams and the Jaguars. I mean, what the hell? Yeah, the season doesn't always work out as we expect it to. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So, yeah, for me, um, you know, I, I could definitely see this game uh, ending up not being too high scoring. I just think Arizona has a really good defense. I'm probably not going to go out of my way to play Seattle's defense. My uh, my favorite game of the week, New Orleans at Tampa Bay. Uh, I'm not alone in that one. The over-under is 50.5. New Orleans favored by 7.5. Uh, New Orleans obviously has to win for playoff seating, so they are going to be playing hard. Uh, I think Tampa Bay is interesting, though, too. You know, Jameis Winston's been really good quietly the last uh, last four weeks, over 270 yards each week, eight touchdowns in that stretch. I think if there's going to be a game that's uh, that's 38 to 35 this week, this is going to be the one. Yeah, for some reason, this seven and a half Vegas total just uh, I mean, I mean, spread. I mean, uh, feels kind of low. Uh, I do think the Saints absolutely smashed the Bucks in Tampa for whatever reason. Okay. Um, they have the second second highest implied total at just over 28 points. And, you know, I can see them climbing into the the, the 30s uh, primarily with their stout running back duo. Yeah, I, I hear that too. You know, it's Drew Brees, another quiet fancy week last week, 239 yards, one touchdown. Have we, have we said a bunch of times, 
One game all year with three touchdowns. Nice game script, high over under in a must win versus a bad defense. But the Tampa Bay secondary, very quietly, hasn't allowed multiple touchdowns to a QB since week nine. Yeah, that's funny how things sort of uh, um, regress to the mean there after, you know, getting absolutely hammered. So, you know, for me, it's the running backs, um, you know, even though their secondary Tampa Bay secondary is much worse um, than their line. But, uh, you know, how, how are you dealing with Kamara versus, versus Ingram? I mean, obviously, so many times where you can play both of them, um, you know, Kamara, it, it, I don't know. For me, I think that's where my gut leans a bit more. Um, I do have a slight preference uh, for him over Ingram. Uh, how do you feel about it? Uh, I love Kamara this week. Uh, 19 touches last week. Didn't score, but I love uh, that he's getting a lot of volume. Nine targets. Must win game. I think he's going to be fully involved in the game script. He killed Tampa Bay the first game. 152 total yards, two touchdowns. Devontae Freeman torched this D a couple weeks ago. Uh, I do like Ingram still, but I think he's a little too TD reliant right now. He had six weeks in a row with less than 15 carries. Losing tar- losing carries to Kamara, losing touches to Kamara. A lot of targets, though. He's involved in the passing game. I just think he is TD reliant. He was only 13-44 last week. I like Ingram, but I just like Kamara more, especially in a tournament where I want a big a lot, a lot of upside. Yeah, and just to add into the mix and why I like Kamara even more is that, uh, you know, Michael Thomas, he was a surprise late addition to the injury report last week with a bulky hamstring and uh, um, ended up playing but was targeted a lot less than usual. So basically both him and Ted Ginn ended up with four catches on five targets. Uh, Ginn was the one that got into the end zone. But, um, you know, either way, you know, despite how awful this buck secondary is, I'm likely much more likely to get my exposure through Kamara. Um just because if they do get a safe lead, maybe they don't have to force it to Thomas in the second half, just kind of keeping him from possibly doing more damage to that hamstring. Yeah, that, that worries me a little bit, especially if they if they happen to get up. You know, he's, uh, But he hasn't been under 50 yards since week six, so he's one of those guys just so consistent. But I think I'm with you. I think I'm going with the running game. Uh, I, Alvin Kamara is probably my favorite running back this week. Uh, him and LeSean McCoy, who we'll talk about in a second, probably my two favorites. Any interest in Ted Ginn? Uh, obviously a boomer bust guy. Woke up last week at 76 yards and a touchdown, but... You know, all that's always on one long touchdown. He, he's he's so so reliant on that big play. He worries me a little bit. Yeah, he's a, essentially a pass for me. Okay. Could be wrong, but uh, no no Teddy G. So what? Any interest in Drew Brees at all? Are you gonna just gonna we're gonna we're gonna never get that huge Drew Brees game all year? I don't know. It could happen. He's not among my top uh, five quarterbacks that I'm going to be using, um, but uh, definitely in the conversation. Um, you know, to me, it's it's pretty much Kamara is going to be my exposure here. Um, what about the Bucks for you? Um, you know, first of all, I'm happy that my boy Chris Goodwin came through last week. Um, he basically hit nearly 100 receiving yards on just a couple plays. He was my most owned wide receiver on FanDuel in Week 16, um, and a decent ownership uh, as well, which is interesting. He did get banged up um, and missed Wednesday, Wednesday's practice dealing with an ankle injury. So. But the main thing here is he's likely to be much less viable because it looks like uh, our boy Djax is uh, going to get back in the lineup. <laughs> um, either way, it's you know him and Mike Evans. These matchups are far from grand facing uh, Lattimore and Ken Crowley. Yeah, I mean, Lattimore is obviously a stud. He gave up a big play to Julio last week, but then after that was really good against him. Julio had 149 yards, but played him pretty tough. You know, Julio's obviously a stud. Mike Evans should see a lot of Lattimore. Uh, he was one for 13 against him the first game on six targets. Did finally go over 100 yards last week, but uh, you just you worry about that Lattimore coverage. Jameis is the interesting guy to me, though. Um, 270 yards uh, or more the last four weeks, eight touchdowns. 
I think this turns into more of a shootout than you do. I know you think New Orleans wins by a bunch. I think this turns into a shootout. Tough matchup, but uh, as a sneaky low-percentage tournament guy, I think Jameis Winston, with the game script, with the recent success, 7,200, is, is interesting to me. And, yes, I am going back to oh, this don't well. don't do it. Don't do it. Yes. No. If you want to pair Winston with somebody, no. Adam Humphreys. Best matchup of this receiving core in the slot against Kenny Vaccaro's backup, P.J. Williams. Humph is – he's min salary. He's caught all eight of his targets in the last two weeks, got into the end zone in week 14. Again, just a GPP flyer, someone that's going to come in at 1% owned. But, yes, I am back on the hump this week. The admit hump, it. Hump. Admit it. He has some, like, familial connection to you. you got to be related to this dude somehow, right? It's, it's Unless he's Russian, it's absolutely physically not possible. You know what's wild, though, is he has 15 targets the last four weeks, and he has 15 catches on those targets. He's caught every target the last four weeks. He doesn't drop nothing. This boy, good. He doesn't. Uh, I, I'm a little bit interested in him, too, just because I, I think this turns into a shootout. And, you know, Godwin's a little banged up. D-Jack's a little banged up also. But I wonder, D-Jack, under 6,000 for the first time. He's 5,700. Super GPP only. But uh, I think D-Jack's hits a big one on, on Sunday. I, I'm going to play him in a couple uh, of GPPs. I like it. Who, who, who's going to hit the big one, D-Jack or D-Jacks? Uh, I like to go back and forth just to mess with you a little bit. The big one's going to yeah. be D-Jack. I uh, love it. I love it. All right. In in consideration for me. A, a less interesting game from at least from a playoff standpoint is Buffalo at Miami. Buffalo fared by three over under 42 and a half. This is another game to me I think might be a little bit sneaky. I like the over in this game. I think both defenses are struggling. Um, I like a few players in this game, but I'll let you side on the Buffalo, Buffalo side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Bills, they need a lot of things to happen uh, that are out of their control. Uh, but they for sure at least have a chance to win. Uh, you know, they, they need to have that chance to win to, to, to be able to grab one of these last two AFC wildcard spots. They absolutely must win. Um, conversation here clearly starts, and I know you alluded to it earlier, starts and ends with LaShawn McCoy, who uh, actually comes in at a very reasonable 8,200. He ended up with 145 yards from scrimmage uh, at, as more than half of those came out of the backfield last week. Um, a matchup with the Dolphins is always a good one. He scored twice against them in Week 15 on his way to 23.6 Fanduel points, and he ranks right up there among my favorite running back plays. Um, you know, Derrick Henry, Deion Lewis, uh, Kamara, and uh, Drake, who we're going to talk about as well. So, Sean McCoy, uh, definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, Miami's have been a little bit better lately, but they're still allowing the fourth, fourth most Fanduel points per game to running backs at 23.2. Uh, love Shady this week too, 8200. Uh, him and Kamara are probably my two favorite uh, running backs that are of the expensive variety. Um, you're the Tyrod Taylor guy. You call him really well. Any interest in him at all this week? I think he might be a little bit sneaky, uh, way, way low percentage off the radar. Yeah, he is for me. He is for me. He's definitely uh, a, a guy that I'm, I want to at least have one uh, him with him in GPPs. Um, you know, it's usually better suited over on DK because where I definitely don't mind pairing him up with McCoy because obviously we see McCoy gets a lot of the volume out of the backfield and sometimes scores receiving touchdowns. So um, not afraid to have that sort of sneaky QB RB correlation. Um, so, yeah, yes, a little bit interest on Tyrod, but uh, sort of falls um, you know, behind some of these other guys like Rivers, Stafford, and Jimmy G that I really like. Kenyon Drake was quiet last week, 13 carries, 57 yards, but they had to throw it 38 times, so more of a game flow thing. Uh, they played two weeks ago against the Bills. He had 16 carries, 78 yards. Uh, he had a touchdown. 
The Bills have been getting thrashed by running backs the last four weeks. It's it's ugly. They're last in the NFL with 26.1 uh, points per game on FanDuel to running backs. Uh, gotta like Kenyon Drake this week. 7,000. Gonna have a lot of volume. Damian Williams is just not getting the ball at all. Uh, gotta love Drake this week, yes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know that that first subpar outing in in over a month came against that Chiefs uh, defense last week. This is a lovely, lovely matchup against these Bills that we've been targeting running backs um, against uh, over the last couple of weeks. Very reasonably priced at seven thousand, um, but sandwiched between you know Deion Lewis and you know who might be somewhat high-ish percentage. Um, Devontae Freeman's in that range. C.J. Anderson's in that range. So. Um, yeah, he's definitely in play, and, and this just becomes where the point where I begin to rip my head out. Where her my, my head, I can't. Hopefully, I don't do that. <laughs> That'd be just tough. rip some hair out. Yeah, yeah, just rip some hair out because there's just so many. I mean, 16 games slate. I mean, this is madness, and this is part of the reason why we're going through all this, giving you all of our favorite plays, so you can mix and mix and match perfectly. Um, I do think we have a nice little, um, you know, a good gut this week, the both of us. Um, you know, some good research, and so. Yeah, I could see a situation where it's heavy running on both sides and we can play both McCoy and Drake. Yeah, I uh, I love Week 17 in, in FanDuel. I think it really presents an opportunity for people who really study it and find some value and find some nice plays. I've had really – I mentioned last year I did really well. year before I did really well too. So it is one of my favorite weeks actually for FanDuel. I know it's a, a quiet fantasy week, but uh, in terms of DFS, it's one of my favorite weeks. So I'm looking forward to it. A lot of it will be uh, some late news and stuff, so we'll try and hit some of that on Twitter also as we go along. Uh, last guy in Miami before we hit the last game, uh, Jarvis Landry at all, 7,200. He had 10 catches for 99 yards on them two weeks ago. As bad as Buffalo is against the run, they're really good against the pass. Only 22.4 uh, Fando points to wide receiver on the year. Uh, Landry's a little bit quiet last week, only seven targets, 51 yards. He's 7,200. Uh, you going to play him at all? He's always a, always an op- option yeah. for me in, in cash games. Um, Leonard Johnson mans the slot for the most part. Um, There's usually some extra co- coverage drawn to Landry, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, for PFF, Leonard Johnson is one of the uh, the most beatable slot corners in the league. Um, so, you know, Landry's always in the conversation. Um, Devontae Parker, I mean, you know me. This is another one of my boys that I just can't quit. Um, have not used him much this year. Uh, have used him a couple times when he's been burned. But, um, you know, he still only has one touchdown all year. Came all the way back in week three. But he's been peppered by Cutler targets, um, 22 of them over the last two weeks. He uh, did put up 89 yards on six catches against the Bills two weeks ago. Uh, I wouldn't see be I wouldn't be completely shocked to see a surprise, uh, you know, sort of a repeat performance of that, possibly getting in the end zone and you know maybe getting 80 yards or so. It's a tough one for me because he's kind of in the in the John Brown mode where you know we we made each other mixtapes and we had a we had a good time, but I've kind of uh-huh. quit him. But 22 targets last week just jumps off the page to me. At under 6,000, you you know how much I like volume for wide receivers. Uh, I think I'm going to have to slide him in some GPPs. I, I wonder if I can he break my heart like three times. No, you know why? You know, I think he's going to he's going to go off. It's just one of those situations where somebody burns you all year. Yep. And then when it really doesn't matter in week 17, he goes off for 153 yards and two touchdowns just to put him back in the conversation for season long leagues next year so that he can burn you once again. So that's why I like Devontae Parker this week. We, we used to call that the Zach Ertz special, but he kind of blew that out of the water this year because he's actually was good somewhere besides the end of the year. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So it makes sense. It would totally would not surprise me if he went off under 6,000. I'm going to slide him in some lineups. I, I agree with you there. 22 targets the last two weeks. I'm uh, I'm I'm feeling some Devontae Parker this week and boys, I can hurt if he hurts me again. <laughs> Indeed. Last game of the week, Cincinnati headed to Baltimore. Uh, you are the playoff scenario expert. Tell me about uh, tell me about Baltimore. Are they in if they win? 
So the Ravens are looking pretty good at clinch a playoff spot as they need to they would need to lose and also have the Dolphins and Titans lose on Sunday to fall out of the playoffs. So pretty, pretty good situation for them. Uh, pretty good odds to get in. So they are they are win and in um, at home against Cincinnati, which is a great spot. Uh, anybody over under 40 and a half in this game? Anybody on Cincinnati that you're thinking about playing? Uh, for the Bengals, my only consideration is AJ Green, who um, I actually kind of like this week after running into a couple of tough matchups the last couple of weeks, dealing with uh, Darius Slay and Xavier Rhodes. Um, could be a bit of fresh air for this uh, for our big baller wide receiver, who's going to take on a pretty inconsistent Ravens secondary that simply just has not been the same since uh, since Jimmy Smith hit the IR. Um, yeah, Green's going to be super super low percentage this week too. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. Just so many of these guys, we need to start uh, ranking them and, and, and putting them in order. We always uh, we always like stud talents when you can get them low percentage. You know, T.Y. Hilton had six catches for 100 yards against them last week. Um, I can't figure him out. Part of me wants to fade him in a game that uh, you know the Ravens D has not been as uh, has not been as good without Jimmy Smith, but you know still pretty solid. And Andy Dalton is really my issue here. Uh, Baltimore need to win. Andy Dalton sucks, um, but he's AJ Green. He's 7,700. He's under 8,000 in a game where they're trailing. Um, I think I'm going to slide him in some GPPs too at a low percentage. Yeah, and then what about on the Ravens side? I mean, you know, you've got uh, Alex Collins, who um, actually the last couple games he's he's been a, a yards per carry monster, and uh, the last couple games just haven't been that um, haven't been that for him. Um, the Bengals are actually they're allowing the third most receiving yards to opposing running backs this year. Uh, could bode well for Collins, who uh, you know has been adding um, a few extra fantasy points as a receiver, seeing 12 targets over the last two games. Even though you've got Buck Allen and Danny Woodhead there, uh, and the Bal- the Bengals have also they've allowed both Teon Green and Jordan Howard to run over six yards per clip against them over this last month. So, what do you think about Collins here? Yeah, I like him. He's struggled lately. 30 carries for 70 yards the last two weeks, but could be a great game script. You know, Vontez Perfect only played 27 snaps last week. I just don't know if they're going to even bother using him this week. They just, they're playing for nothing. The Cincinnati is a mess. I just, there's a little bit of a committee there. The guy I really like on Baltimore this week is Mike Wallace. He's only 5,600. Yeah. Love the price. It's a must win. He's their wide receiver one. He has 60 yards or more in the last four games. I think at 5,600, he's mispriced. I think he should be like mid sixes. I just like the upside of the price. He can always break a big one, but also getting the volume. So I think he presents a nice floor at the price, but gives you that upside that you really want in a tournament. I have him on my list of uh, receivers, some of my favorite receivers. I agree with you nice. wholeheartedly that he is underpriced. Uh, Jeremy Macklin is looking to miss this one again. Uh, he's just, you know, I mean, you know, the those occasional gems come through because of a long you know, catch or two, but, uh, you know, he's averaged se- over seven targets per game over his last four, no Pac-Man Jones in the mix. Uh, so I, I like it. I, I, I like Wallace uh, very much at 5,600. Last note on this game, the Ravens defense, they have multiple sacks in eight straight games. They've really been playing well. Uh, Bengals have allowed nine sacks last three weeks, three in each game. Uh, Ravens D's 5,200, uh, on your radar. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Baltimore's been on my radar all year. Um, this game, this matchup at home where they have to win, they're going to be fired up is uh, is no different for me. So uh, we've hit a lot of games. Let's do a quick wrap-up just to uh, kind of summarize it all. I think we each probably have a few more plays than normal in, in, in each slot, but that's fine. Uh, my top overall play at quarterback, I like Russell Wilson. I like Phil Rivers. If I'm going over 8,000, those are my two choices this week. Yeah, overall play for me is Phillip Rivers, uh, clearly. Uh, among the mid-range and cheap, 
uh, Stafford if I'm going mid-range, and uh, Jacoby Brissett as my cheapie, 6,600. Yeah, my, my, my mid-range plays are, are Garoppolo and Matt Ryan. My, my sneaky low percentage play is Matt Ryan also. I think he's going to be a very low percent, and I think this is fine in the week. He throws three touchdowns. Uh, fade for me. Uh, I want no part of Cam Newton. I know he had those, a couple big games, but there's just too many bad games in the mix that, that really hurt you for me to play him this week. Cam is my fade as well, so we're on the same page. Uh, sneaky low percentage play for me is uh, the guy that you mentioned, Tyrod Taylor. All right. At running back, uh, my top overall plays, we just mentioned him in the last couple of games, LaShawn McCoy, Alvin Kamara are the two for me. Those are my favorite guys in the expensive range. For me, it's uh, McCoy, Kamara, and uh, a little chalky Derrick Henry. All right. Uh, I, I had Derrick Henry in the mid-range play. I think, obviously, he's going to be chalky if, if Murray doesn't play. I also like Kenyon Drake. I like Jamal Williams more than you do, but I also like Deion Lewis, which I know you like also. No, I, I like Drake as well. I've got Drake and Lewis as my top uh, two mid-range plays. So, um, you know, definitely a, a tough call between the two if I had to choose. Um, what about cheap play for you? For me, it's uh, Malcolm Brown. Uh, I do think all, uh, Brandon Oliver's in the mix if uh, no Melvin Gordon. Yeah, mine was Malcolm Brown, a little bit of Wayne Gallman, just based on the receiving usage. And I like how much I put the ball in his hands. And I think, you know, last week, maybe they're going to see what they can get from him. Uh, I also like uh, Oliver, too, if uh, if Gordon sits. I think he's an interesting play, an interesting uh, move off of Malcolm Brown. Uh, my fade, Le'Veon Bell this week. I just think he's overpriced for the fact that there's way too much risk that he could sit the second half if Pittsburgh's way up or if New England's way up, which uh, either way, the Pittsburgh, uh, the Pittsburgh game won't matter. Yeah, it's it's like as if people think we have each other's cheat sheets. Uh, just for the record, we do not discuss our uh, our quick wrap up players here beforehand. Uh, Bell is my fate as well. Concern of um, of sitting him in the second half, and because of the price, just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, sneaky low percentage play for me this week. Uh, Christian McCaffrey going to be very low percentage. Has a great matchup against Atlanta. I think he is going to score the most fantasy points among uh, the, the the group there in Carolina. Mine is uh, mine is CJ Anderson. I just <clears throat> I like how CJ's looked recently. I think that the Chiefs may sit some uh, defensive starters, especially in the second half. Um, I think that Paxton Lynch hurts him, but I think he might also get some dump offs uh, to CJ. So I, 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 he's probably my favorite low percentage guy. I don't think anybody will be on him this week. Uh, wide receivers, my top two overall plays easily this week are Julio Jones and Keenan Allen. Yeah, uh, for me, Keen, uh, uh, Julio, Julio Jones is in the mix, but for me, it's Keenan uh, Allen and Larry Fitzgerald, just two guys that have been extremely solid all year. In the mid-range, I do like Larry Fitz also, especially, you know, might be uh, might be his swan song. I don't think he's going to retire, but he hasn't. he's kind of left that possibility out there. I also like T.Y. Hilton and Marquise Goodwin a lot in the mid-range, uh, also some Marvin Jones. For me, T.Y. Hilton as well, uh, Devont- Devontae Parker, and uh, I do like the Goodwin consideration, so I uh, put him on my list. Uh, two, ch- uh, two, two uh, cheap plays, and uh, hopefully I was able to sell you on at least one of them. Kenny Galladay, who's getting in the end zone, and Pharaoh Cooper, if Cup is out. My my cheap plays I like are Mike Wallace, and then I really like Josh Doxson. I think both those guys will be low percentage, too. I don't think they're going to be super popular this week. My fade this week, uh, Mike Evans going up against uh, Marshawn Lattimore. I'm just just not I'm just not going to play that, even, even at the cheap price. And for me, the fade is probably going to be DeAndre Hopkins, uh, primarily because of that uh, insane 9,100 price tag and the fact that TJ Yates is under center. Uh, sneaky low percentage place for me, AJ Green, and uh, the aforementioned by you, Mike Wallace. Uh, moving on to tight end, my top overall pay is uh, Rob Gronkowski. I don't think that's real surprising. I think that uh, 
they're going to try and win the game really quick and get up early, and I think they're going to do it with him. Uh, if I had to go mid-range, I think I'm probably going Eric Ebron. I just like the uh, I like the uh, the volume right now. Yeah, Gronk is my top overall play as well. Uh, top mid-range guy is going to be De- Delaney Walker, especially if Jacks runs Jacksonville defenders rest. Uh, George Kittle for cheap, and my fade Jimmy Graham, sneaky low percentage play Demetrius Harris. Uh, I'm on the Demetrius Harris bandwagon with you, especially if uh, they rule Travis Kelsey out. Um, yeah, I think I'm a fade on Jimmy Graham too. I just don't think the uh, the yards are there. You know, the touchdowns are possible, but when you're so TD reliant, you're not going to get more than 25, 30 yards. Really hard for me to play. And uh, I think I'm not going to play Antonio Gates this week. I think he'll be, uh, a lot of people will be on him after last week. Um, I just don't think I can go back to that. Yeah, what about defenses for you? I mean, my top overall play is going to be Pittsburgh. I know, understand they're pricey, but I really like that matchup. Uh, and on the cheaper side, Washington just sort of really sticks out to me. The Redskins 4,600 this week. Yeah, I like Washington too. They were my favorite kind of in, in the cheaper plays. I think if you're punting, uh, I like the 49ers off defense a little bit against uh, against the Rams. I'm going to look at all those defenses that are going to be facing uh, second string guys. You know, I just think that uh, you know Denver against Pat Mahomes. Got to think he's going to throw uh, throw some sketchy passes. You know, he's going to be amped up to play. I think that Denver D could make a big play too. So I'm uh, I'm looking at Denver for sure. I'm looking at uh, Baltimore for sure, and I'm looking at Washington also. Yeah, for me, uh, not not really anyone that sticks out as a fade. Uh, Jacksonville, I guess, does, um, especially if they do rest some defenders. And a sneaky low percentage play, and it's really weird. I, I hadn't really noticed it until uh, you know just before we started the show. Cleveland is strangely priced. The Browns on an island, all of their own, at three thousand. Uh, <laughs> they could hit. They could hit sneaky value. Could get nine points. Uh, yeah, especially if Pittsburgh, uh, you know, sits some stars in the second half, maybe they make a big play, but, uh, you mentioned an Island. I think you're going to be on that Island by yourself for this podcast. I don't think I'm going to mess with that. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and then just the very final piece, just cause we always kind of throw it in there with the kickers. Uh, three guys that I happen to like a lot are Justin Tucker, Chris Boswell and Kai Forbath. Yeah. I always like Tucker and Boswell. My, uh, if I had to go, Somewhere sneaky for a cheap price. I like Nick Rose, the Chargers kicker at 4,600 home against the Raiders. I think he is a top uh, top five to six kicker this week and uh, very cheaply priced. Love it. I'm bored. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. Uh, mostly thanks for listening all year long. This is week 17. I know that there's a, uh, both Vlad and I put a lot of work into this podcast, but uh, so we may not miss the long hours, but I think we'll both miss uh, both talking to each other every week and talking to all of you every week and uh, getting all the feedback and comments on Twitter. We greatly appreciate that. So thank you for listening all year long, and hopefully if, uh, if we don't get fired, we'll be, back, uh, we'll be back next year. Vlad, any parting words? No, just uh, would love to see some uh, some some reviews if you did enjoy it. Uh, be able to do that on iTunes if you can. Um, just really appreciate everybody listening all year. This has been a blast. Uh, you know, Scott and I have been having this sort of banter over the last you know 15 years or so, talking about football and, and playing high stakes. And so it's just nice to be able to to do it in a uh, you know in a formal setting and, and having so many people listen. And so just appreciate everyone and hope you go out with a bang this week in week 17. Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more there. And thanks to all the uh, great people at Rotowire for giving us this platform to be able to do it too. So uh, thanks everybody. Hope you have a great week 17 and hopefully uh, cash some, cash some big tournaments this week. Take care.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.